Hello! What you're about to hear is a story that I wrote to fill in some of the gaps in the Prisoner's Quest. Eli and I talked a lot about what would come next for Roderick, so it also includes an epilogue to the quest that brings Roderick's story up to present day with the rest of the show. Hope you enjoy! girl. These folks know how to take care of themselves, and they'll take care of your pop, too. Why can't I come? Why do you have to go? No, Velma. You just stay put right here until I get back. This is proper wall climber business. We're just gonna teach some townies a lesson, alright? Okay, pop. Okay. Calm. Calm down. He's on the ground, but he's gonna get back up. There was so much blood. Roderick's a big guy. Why wasn't he moving? He's gonna get back up. What is she going to do? Why isn't he moving? How much time had she spent alone in the woods? They used to only get into town when necessary, and with Pop, necessary was a pretty high bar to clear. These folks are backwards, Velma. You ask for a meal and a place to lay your head, and pretty soon they'll have you addicted to the soft laugh. You don't need it. You don't need them. When that stupid, swaggering Roderick showed up, how long had it been since she'd talked to someone besides an owl? How much had they actually said to each other since getting lost in these tunnels, looking for that little girl? How much time had passed since seeing her friend get cut down by a walking corpse? When had Velma started thinking of him as her friend? The last friends she and Pop had had gotten him killed. Now's not the time. Roderick's alive. That's what's important. He was alive for now, anyway. After the knight cut into his arm, so much blood, he looked like he was going to kill Roderick. And I did nothing. I just sat there. Damn it, damn it, by the forgotten gods, damn it. But one of the other skeletons came out and stood between Roderick and the knight. This one was a lot shorter and was wearing a faded blouse with peaches on it. They were waving their arms and their jaws were moving and their teeth were clicking, almost like they were actually talking to each other like they could hear each other. Knight backed off, grinding his boots into the cave floor in frustration, and Peaches knelt beside Roderick and immediately began to bandage his wounds. Once Peaches seemed satisfied, she had Roderick carried off while Velma watched, hidden and safe. In an alley, behind a tavern, in a cave, under a hundred tons of rock and dirt. Damn it. As much as Pop used to try to make Velma believe cicadas were a treat, she never could bring herself to enjoy bugs. But foraging for bugs was safer than sneaking into an undead tavern looking for something to eat. And she needed to eat, that was for sure. So she made her way back out of the cave town and down the tunnel she and Roderick had arrived through, looking for those big pale crawlies with a million little legs. They weren't the worst thing she'd ever eaten, but she couldn't picture someone picking them over some bread two weeks past moldy. 
By the time she got back from filling her tummy with crawlies and filling her satchel with shrooms, she found the town was basically asleep. The only person Velma saw up was that dang knight standing guard in front of the tavern. Oh well. Pop would have said she should sleep before deciding what to do next. Well-slept mouse will get ahead, but the sleepy mouse keeps house fed. So sleep it was. She could figure out where they'd taken Roderick to in the morning. Time is confusing when you can't see the sun. The town's lights seemed to dim on a cycle, so she was pretty sure at least a few days had passed. And she was little, and she was good at hiding, so she'd convinced herself that if she just stuck out of sight, eventually an opportunity would present itself. Heck, Peaches had seemed nice enough for a necromatic monster. Maybe if she just gave it one more day, they'd even decide to let Roderick go. But the next morning, while chewing on a crawly and patrolling between patches of crystal light, she realized no one was guarding anymore. And didn't there used to be more horses tied up? Where was Moonbeam? And by the loss, someone cleared the cave-in. You have got to be kidding me. She ran straight over to the building where they were keeping Roderick, peeked through a crack she had found, and... He's gone. As soon as the words left her lips, shade passed over her in the blue-tinged light. A firm hand grasped her shoulder, a hand she knew without looking would be bare as the grave. No, 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 no. Crack! The hand jerked back and released, spinning Velma a bit on her heels. Sure enough, Peaches stood there, all blouse and bones, but with one hand on their head and another reaching out to grab something for support. A little dust floated up from the ground around a pebble that had just taken a little skull-shaped detour on the trip from up to down. As if to answer Velma's question of what just saved me, there was a creak of wood coming from the roof up above. Looking down at her and waving for her to get out of there was a young girl cloaked in violet. Don't go off again, okay, Fran? I swear, girl, you'll send your mother to an early grave. This place is awesome. Okay, granted, Fran didn't know why the ground just swallowed her whole and plopped her down in a magic cave, but magic cave. She and her mom had been out foraging for mushrooms when she felt something, a pull from deeper in the pines. She signed, I want to go look at something. Uh, be right back. As she stepped through the trees and into the clearing, something shifted in the earth. The soil beneath her opened up, and before she could jump away, it dragged her down and gently placed her in the center of a wide cavern flecked with glowing stones. It was beautiful. As she watched, the roof of the cavern neatly knitted itself closed. Looking around the space, she saw just one way out, a tunnel leading deeper underground. Fran walked around the cavern, her hand tracing the rough stone wall, pressing different patches and hoping to feel that same arcane shift she'd felt before. No luck. Huh. Okay. She was stuck. Nothing like this had ever happened to Fran before, obviously, but she could remember three times when she'd gotten lost. Once, when she was eight, some abbot commissioned Mum to find a flower that only bloomed at night. 
She and Mum were out well past dark, and neither of them are sure how it happened, but Fran turned around and was alone. Mum couldn't find her until hours later at sunup. Fran didn't know which one of them cried more that night. When she was 10, they got separated during a freak blizzard. Once the snow calmed, Fran managed to get a fire going. The search party found her warm and cozy, roasting some wild tubers. A year ago, Mum was down with a stomach flu, so Fran decided to sneak out on her own to hunt for truffles. She found a truffle, but she also found a rather persistent coyote, and it took a few hours of weaving through the woods to shake it, and then half a day to figure out her way back home. When it came to surviving in the wild, Mum was a pro, and she taught Fran a lot. Foraging for food and medicine, of course, but after the run-in with the coyote, she also showed Fran how to sling stones, and Mum said she was getting deadly accurate, thank you very much. So yeah, she might be trapped down here, but she could handle herself. At least for a day or two until Mum came and got her. And besides, Magic Cave! Okay, the magic was wearing thin. Waiting around for help to arrive wasn't going to work, not with the hunger pangs creeping in. So Fran left and traveled farther and farther down the tunnel. As she went, she noticed little pigs stamped in the wall. One, two, three. She counted them off, another every five to ten minutes. She kept exploring, even after finding enough to eat and drink. The town was a surprise, but it was nothing compared to the bone folk. Mum often said she'd seen a lot for her age, but this, this was new. The bone folk just went about their lives like ordinary people. They didn't seem to realize anything weird was going on, and some even waved hello. There were times when they almost looked normal to Fran. Sometimes out of the corner of her eye, she felt like she saw a full, fleshy person, but then she'd turn to get a better look and see just a plain old friendly skeleton wearing a tattered peach blouse. None of them knew common sign language, but they seemed nice enough. Still, Fran was uneasy. Was this what was going to happen to her too? Would she be trapped down here forever? Sorry, Mom, I'm bones now. Oh, bless. He wore the same seersucker tabard, blazoned with the same sun that he'd worn when they'd entered South Bend. Fran remembered him waving hello to Mum. He had kind eyes. He and the halfling woman in the alley, they must be here for her. And if they were here for her, maybe Mum was here too? She just had to go talk to them before... before something else happened. Okay. Calm down. I gotta think. Act. The big guy basically just had his arm lopped off. There's nothing I can do there. Where'd the halfling go? If I can find her, maybe we can help him. Now, I don't want to hear anything more out of you, Velma. No more whining. But the burns aren't even healed yet. Why would you go out with them again? I'm sorry. When did I ask for words from you? If those townies show up again, we'll be ready. Velma wasn't sure where Pop had picked up CSL, but he insisted they practice just in case my ears ever start to slip. She thought that Grandma might have been hard of hearing, but Pop didn't talk about her much. Whatever the cause, she was grateful now. How had Roderick not mentioned the girl was deaf? Please, slow, long time don't practice. Velma could feel her brain warming back up to it, but the girl was going fast and it was hard to follow. What 
is your name? The girl smiled. Sorry, uh, I'm just excited. My name is F-R-A-N. She spelled Fran first and then gave her name sign. Understand, my name is V-E-L-M-A. Safe here? Yeah, one of the bone folk lives here, but she goes out every day. She won't be back for hours, so we have plenty of time to make a plan. Fran's signings slowly sped up until she was spilling over her words. Velma waved her hands. Slow, please? Uh, are you safe? Sorry, and yeah, is my mom with you? Oh, uh, no, no. Velma shifted uneasily. Fran frowned. Oh, did she send you to get me out of here? Yes, she paused and then shook her head. Not me. Huh? Just Roderick, the big guy? Fran fell back on the floor and sighed. The wood creaked as she propped herself back up. So he came down here to get me out, and now he's hurt. Velma saw something shifting in the kid. Sure will be okay, so we have to help him. Velma watched as she pulled out a map. There's only one other town nearby, so that has to be where they took him. Velma started to respond, but then put her hands down. Where'd she get that map? For all she'd scolded Fran for swiping the Tavern Keep's map, Velma had to admit it was helpful. There were so many branches to these tunnels that without it, she and Fran would have been looking for Roderick until the Great Return. The tunnels were dark, obviously, but Fran also had an old lamp and some oil, which she claimed one of the bone folk had given her. That wouldn't last them forever, though, so whenever there was a stretch of luminescent fungus, they'd dim or shut off the lamp. When the light allowed for conversation, they talked. What's Roderick's deal? How do you two know each other? Uh, don't really know each other. He just kind of found me when he was looking for you. <laughs> Lucky him. Huh? If you weren't around, he'd probably just rot in a bone folk jail somewhere, right? But thanks to you, he has us. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, there it is again. Velma pointed to some blue flecks glowing slightly as Fran passed them. What's up with that? Every once in a while, the rocks just light up when you walk by. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Mum says it's a family thing. The rocks like us and want to say hello. Uh, I've never seen so many before, though. Velma grimaced. That's weird. Eh. All in all, it was an uneventful trip to Settlement 14, the really clever name on their map. When they finally arrived, they found that unlike the linear first town, apparently called Settlement 15, 14 was arranged in a circle. In the center of town was a large blue glowing crystal with movable metal slats around it. When Velma asked what she thought it was, Fran said the light, hum, and pull she felt all reminded her of the Sending Stone up north in Sturk. But unlike the Sending Stone, it seemed to only be used to light the cavern. As noon approached, the shutters would open wider, letting out more of the crystal's glow. At midnight, they closed entirely, so the only light was what came from their lamp. Every day, they scouted the caverns near town, looking for food. Some were barren, but a lot of the caves were rich with life. Strange toadstools and fungi. Fran would usually spot at least one mushroom Velma didn't know. Oh, don't eat that one. Mum says it's only good for elixirs, not food. Velma didn't mention who taught her how to gut the little cave fish they found, or how to start a fire with what little they had. 
She didn't explain who taught her that even though the bone folks here seemed friendly, it wasn't worth the risk to try talking to them. Instead, each night after the town light was dimmed, they would sneak through town, listening at doors, peeking through cracks, looking for some hint of Roderick's whereabouts. Fran stopped Velma as she prepared to slip into the back door of a smithy. You go ahead, I'll stay behind tonight. All right, Fran, it's been a long day. Go rest, I'll meet up with you later. Just stay out of sight, okay? Fran nodded and then slipped away. Just relax, ma'am. When did you see her last? Relax? Are, are you joking? My daughter is missing. Please drink your tea. I just need some basic information to start the search. I promise I'll have my best man on the job. Lord Frederick's boy. You know him? By reputation? Goofy but good, I hear? He handled the wall climbers. He can handle this. Don't you worry. <sighs> Well, that's something, I suppose. Still, I don't feel right just sitting around. Is there at least a shrine to the shepherdling nearby? Rest? Uh, no, ma'am. Sure, you could try sneaking from house to house, room to room, jumping at every creek on the floorboards. Or you could take charge. As spooky as these folks were, someone down here had to know CSL and be willing to talk. The pickings were slim, though, at this late at night, with most everyone in bed. Fran tried the old woman feeding the horses, but no luck. Do bone horses need to be fed? Hmm. Then she tried a guy stumbling out of the inn. He almost fell on her as he made his way to an alley to mime vomiting, and for a brief moment, Fran felt like she could see him not as an animated skeleton, but as a scrawny 20-something with flushed cheeks and unfocused eyes. Whether or not the bone folk could drink, this guy definitely thought he could. Fran sighed as she did her second circuit around the tunnel. Everyone here is useless, she thought. She walked to the center of town. She walked to the center of town. As she did, the crystal light seemed to intensify, the blue peeking through the seams of the metal shutters. She felt a hand tap her shoulder. A quick pivot on her heel broke the contact, and in the same motion her hand reared back ready to pitch the stone she had in her pocket. But the bone folk in front of her flinched away, jumping from foot to foot. He was an odd-looking fellow with long, colorful robes that didn't fit the look of anyone else down here. His posture was low and shifting, as if both afraid and curious. He signed, No need, no need. Just here to chat, little one. Fran lowered her weapon slowly, answering with her free hand. Hi. Sorry, you startled me. His gaze seemed to dart occasionally to her lowered, but still held stone. Ah, yes, yes. My apologies. I saw you chatting, trying to, with my friends around town. But they are stupid, stupid folk, not like me. I can chat. Fran took a slight step back as she noticed another figure in the shadows behind her new friend. And then I saw how, ah, uh, ah, uh, the crystal seemed to speak to you. Do you hear it? It seems to like you, to know you. Uh, I, I hadn't noticed, sorry. Well, well, I noticed. And I told my friends. You're far from home, aren't you, little one? Royals will surely be quite, quite interested in you. 
pay a pretty penny to have you return to them. He paused. Or to have you quietly forgotten. To the right of Fran, a third man wearing some sort of uniform stepped into the crystal light. As her eyes darted to him, his bearded face resolved to a motionless bone, and his fresh uniform faded to tattered rags and rusted mail. Crash! The uniformed man splayed out onto the ground as Velma plowed into his legs from behind. Crack! Fran Stone struck home, and the creepin' robes fell backwards, legs spidering under as he clutched his forehead in pain. She looked back to Velma, who was struggling to disarm and entangle the man she'd just knocked prone. Fran saw the scream on Velma's lips. Hide! More uniformed figures were approaching the crystal light. One pulled shackles from her belt and went to grab Velma. Two others were rushing towards Fran. She ran. I'll be back. Hiding. Patience. Neither was Fran's forte. But Fran was not going to let Velma get taken. Most of her time was spent the same as before collecting fresh water and food. The rest she watched and waited, keeping out of sight. Fran tried sneaking close enough to do something, but while some of the uniformed bone folk kept Velma under strict guard, the rest hunted for her. Sometimes Fran would see the creepy wizard with the guards too, but they seemed just as unnerved by him as she was. Eventually, the guards must have given up on finding Fran though, because late at night, Velma was shackled and walked out of town to who knew where. Fran crouched in the shadows and followed down the tunnel. It's you, I... I don't know if you remember me. Uh, you were with Velma? Deep beneath the ground, in an unhallowed network of tunnels and caves, rested four figures. As Fran unfocused her eyes in the low light of the dying campfire, the strange and gaunt shape of Treya Kuprum seemed to slip into the silhouette of a solid blacksmith with a glinting copper jaw. So much time trying to find and save Roderick, but he had found them. Roderick was different than when Fran saw him at South Bend. Sure, it had been weeks since then, and he'd lost weight and a limb, but there was more to it than that. He was shifting like Treya. Something was new there. Velma? Velma turned to look at Fran in the shifting light of the campfire. Yeah? You know I was coming for you, right? Yeah, I know. You're a brave kid. A brave, stupid kid. No, it's, it's not that. I was scared. I, I've been scared. But I had to do it. And even if I had had some way out of here, I wasn't going to leave you behind. The crackling of embers. You're braver than you think, Velma. You're a good friend. You're a good person. He knows you were coming for him. The last light of the fire died away. Lumen's light shines bright on you, Roderick, and I know you will carry it far. Shine wherever you go, so everyone knows Lumen's light. You, my son, will burn bright after the dusk takes me. Don't falter. 
to think. All this time, they had thought they were one step behind Roderick, but truly, he had been one step behind them. Now reunited, they adventured deeper into the darkness. Without a proper map, the journey took many months. Along the way, they found additional settlements, all of them, according to Treya, safe havens from the Good King. Generations of war had turned her people, the people of Bregaton, desperate for any sort of protection. And so Royal City was secretly expanded into a web of natural caves, creating a network of underground tunnels, canals, and settlements, purposefully labyrinthine in case any one piece was ever discovered. Only an arcanist, or one directly blessed by the royals, could safely enter at will. The journey was not an easy one. Sometimes they went days without food, even with the expert skills of Velma and Fran. But beyond the first towns, far from any knowledge of Roderick's crimes, the Bregatones were, well, not welcoming and occasionally suspicious, but they were rarely hostile and they were often kind. Centuries of neglect left portions of the tunnels unstable, and dangerous creatures infested some of the caves. But as time passed, Roderick's strength returned to him. Moreover, Treya and Velma were more than capable of defending themselves. Even little Fran, magic flowed through the girl, and though she couldn't fully control it yet, her ability to bend the stone around her came in handy more than once. They all agreed to forget about the time she almost crushed Treya with a stalactite. Treya collected minerals as they explored, and when they discovered an abandoned supply fort, complete with a smithy and an alchemical lab, she insisted they rust a few days. At the end, Treya gave an arcane focus to Fran that she hoped might help the girl experiment more safely with her abilities. To Roderick, she presented a pair of glasses. When the party finally arrived at Royal City, Treya took a few steps through the gateway before hesitating. Well, my friends, uh, this place, it has changed since I was here last, I'm sure. She pointed a few hundred feet down the city wall to a wide stone stairway, leading up the wall to a large stone platform. But we should find a way out up the trail. Roderick stepped up behind her and clasped her shoulder. She turned to see him sign. Go see her, Treya. We can come find you afterwards. Unless you want us to come along... Velma grunted as she slid off of Starshine's saddle. I'm tired of just hearing about Ku's grits. I don't get how she could make them that special. I mean, they're grits. No, no, but thank you, my friends. I will see her. I will meet you after at the stairs. Treya bent down to hug Fran. Besides, this girl needs to see the sun. She is mad child. Months of travel through the darkness, but it took mere seconds for it to all fall apart. The top of the stairs were guarded by one of the same boar-headed guardian statues that Roderick had fought when he and Velma were reunited. The boar shifted its gaze at him briefly before letting the three pass. Roderick and Velma walked side by side, ahead of Fran. Velma spoke aloud. Okay, we're just north of Cirque, right? In a big stone circle with no entrances? Where could this tunnel possibly open up? Uh... Well, Treya said there were exits. I don't know why the city would have removed them. Besides, there are forests near the circle. And a lake. They stopped in front of a large metal door. So we're gonna open this door into a lake. Maybe. And drown. Roderick frowned at her, then turned to sign to both her and Fran. 
All right, here we are. Both of you stand back in case uh, something happens. He leaned into the metal and was startled as it opened smoothly. Straight into a room crowded with ten armed lumineers. Even with the weapons and armor, Roderick wasn't expecting a fight. The lumineers seemed just as surprised as the three of them. By Lumen's light, what luck! Can you take me to Lord Frederick? I am his- <clears throat> Roderick crumpled over as the butt end of a spear caught him in the stomach. Behind him, he heard Velma drawing her sword and felt the thrum of magic as Fran prepared a stone. No, this is a misunderstanding. He was struck in the head this time, and the world spun for a moment before he drew his club and parried another blow. We are here to see Lord Frederick. He should have... He batted away a man trying to grapple him. He should have received word from a bone trader. They would not listen. Hello, Roderick. Lord Frederick stood in front of his son, shackled and bound in the same room where he was accidentally ambushed. Father, I tried to tell them. Are any of them hurt? No. They are fine. As are you, I heard. And now here is the proof. Lord Frederick looked at him with sad eyes. That you are alive, at least. Roderick shifted. Yes, and now that I am back, Roderick, it would have been better if you had stayed away a little longer. What? Roderick watched as his father turned away from his bondage and placed a hand on the door. Things are in motion, my son. I can't have you back, not yet. Wait, you, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. Roderick flinched back. You are not safe here. You are... inconvenient. And with that, Roderick's father left. Thanks to the Joy Drops for the use of Not Drunk as our intro and outro music. Find them at thejoydrops.com. You can find us at sidecharacterquest.com, at SCQ Podcast on Twitter, or by email at sidecharacterquest at gmail.com. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Okay, I am recording this. I've recorded all of this just now in a closet uh, at somebody's house where there are not sirens and fucking things everywhere. Hopefully this sounds good. It occurred to me like 30 minutes in that it might end up sounding echoey and thus worse. Worse. Oh, I would feel so bad if that's the case. But anyway, we'll see.